0: This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started.
1: I'm Elliot Thomas, manager of the tax advisors here, filling in for Toby, who is doing some other filming right now, but we'll have him back before long, and joined by Mr. Jeff Webb.
0: Hello, and today is our last Tax Tuesday for
1: 2023. That's it. Yep. We're kicking, kicking the year away, so happy for that. Anyway, again, Tax Tuesday here, we're bringing the tax knowledge to the masses, as Toby says. As far as our other rules here, as far as Tax Tuesday, remember, these are all driven by questions that you've submitted through our Tax Tuesday website, and we pick the uh, 10 or so uh, commonly asked questions usually, or if there's one that's really unique, I try and throw that in there as well. Uh, But these were uh, taken from a sample of uh, things that a lot of people were asking a lot of questions about, similar questions, so we try and get a, a spread approach there to as many people as we can. And so we always thank you for sending the questions in uh, during the program here today. If you have questions, please go through our Q&A section in the Zoom and uh, you can ask them live. And we have a lot of our staff here. I can't see all their pictures, but we have Tanya, Troy, Ross. I know Amanda was there. And of course, we have all of our staff, uh, tech staff behind the scenes helping out. Uh, so feel free to put those questions in there. And uh, or you, and then after, when you if you want your questions to be uh, put on the show, please email to Anderson, TaxTuesday at AndersonAdvisors.com. That's where we pick them from every show. If you need a detailed response, uh, you do need to become a platinum client or a tax client. And uh, if we don't get through all the questions here today, we do submit them through the Platinum portal if you're a platinum uh, client so that we can get those answered. We try and make it fast, fun, educational, cover a lot of tax uh, items, uh, just our way of giving back to our clients and to the general public to try and get a little more tax knowledge out there. And as far as uh, some other things, just some of the questions we're going to have here today. Oh, and, Yep. Oh, so uh what's your name? Elliot. Yes. Uh like <laughs> he guy. said, you put you put
0: your put your tax questions in the Q&A. You can use the chat just to make comments and to make sure that everybody is actually hearing us. Can you put where you are at right now, city and state, in the chat section? New Mexico. Now you know. You, you know some people have this already ready. Yeah. We can run COVID.
1: Yeah, I saw a Dakota in there.
0: And like, now they're flying by. Yes, as the they are. Say. So we have people all over the place, and we are glad to have you, some clients, some not clients.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is for everybody, not just clients. Uh, we take questions regardless of whether you're a client or not. Denver, Colorado, got family there. Used to live there myself. Vegas, solid. <laughs> Always like that. Anyway, uh, should we go through the questions? Yep. Yeah. All right. And first question that we're going to, we'll come back. We're just going to list out the questions here and then we'll come back and address these. Uh, How can training costs, including travel, be tax deductible? So if we got some costs uh, regarding starting up our corporation, maybe some education or something like that, can we deduct it? If so, how? We'll address that. We've been engaged two years. I want to get married in July of 24. I make 85K a year and he makes 120 with W 2 jobs. I'm wanting to become a real estate professional this uh, next year and make my income. Make income from my four rentals. Am I able to keep him more of his income if we file jointly after we're married? What type of strategy would help him keep more of his money? We hear that a lot. We got a lot of strategies related to that, and we certainly will be able to throw a lot at that question. Once the purchase of a property is finalized, should cost seg study process be started immediately after? And can you double dip the cost segregation process, meaning before and after upgrades slash repairs? We get a lot of cost seg studies. A lot of that in tow from what we'll discuss in in question number two there, but uh, just kind of as added uh, information there, we threw on the cost seg question. Going on to number four, does depreciation taken from a syndication have to be paid back when the property is sold? That'll be a good question. (laughs) Uh, Number five, are there advantages of investing in trading securities, stocks, bonds, commodities, futures, et cetera, in an entity account rather than in an individual account? Any kind of benefits maybe to to setting up uh, certain structures for that, we'll address that. How do we do real estate investing if we have an IRA fund? Something that we get quite, asked quite a bit and there was a lot of questions about that in solos as well for investing in real estate. When are crypto earnings taxed? So if we do cryptocurrencies, a lot of different things that we can be doing with crypto and that may have an impact on how they're taxed and we'll address that. As a member of armed forces, are my travel expenses from overseas location back to my property location stateside tax deductible? So if we're doing some traveling there, or in the armed forces. What can we do as far as any deductions, if possible? Is it better to have a separate entity for flipping, such as an LLC or corporation, or should I report it as an individual? See this one quite a bit, and there might be some significant consequences there, so we'll address that. I am a new real estate agent. Does the time I spend searching for a property in my local market, including travel time, for me and my family count towards the 750 hours needed to qualify for rep status, even if we end up not buying the property this year? And lastly, just kind of a bonus question here, number 11, is it possible, feasible, or legal to incorporate yourself and transfer all your assets to the new company while also deducting expenses used to support the new business? In other words, yourself. I've actually, we used to get that question a lot about five, six years ago. Jeff and I were just talking about that. So we'll uh, kind of threw that one as a bonus Uh, because it's a kind of a unique question and we'll hit that. All right. So. Uh, before we begin, just a reminder, always go to, to our various YouTube channels. Toby has now, what, 728 videos, and he is cutting some more right now as we as we speak. So uh, he's always adding to that. Make sure you look at it. Uh, YouTube videos, Toby Mathis and Anderson in general. We have our YouTube channels.
0: And, and, and please, you know, subscribe to Toby has his channel. Clint has his channel. Both. <laughs> And by subscribing, you're not committing to anything. It's just going to notify you every time Toby or Clint put out a new video. So you can look to see what it is and say, oh, yeah, that's a good one. I I need to watch that. Or "Eh, I don't care about this particular subject. But at
1: least, you know, it came out. Right. Exactly right. So, yeah, make sure you subscribe just so you know the ongoings. And we put a lot of uh, information out there. And clearly, the partners are busy cutting those videos. So usually a lot of good content there. And then uh, we also have our Tax and Asset Workshop. Just finished up one here not too long ago in Vegas. The live event. Yep. And then we have the the taped one as well. I'll come up here December 27th, uh, the Tax and Asset asset Protection Workshop. That's going to be, again, virtual. I'll be online. Uh, and then the, uh, shortly thereafter, January 6th as well. And I'm sure we'll have some live ones again in 2024, although I have not heard of any dates.
0: No, I haven't either. You did say taped. It's, it's not taped. It's just virtual. Oh, excuse me. Live.
1: Uh, and virtual. <laughs> All right. Again, subscribe to our YouTube. You can do so at aba.link forward slash YouTube. Has a lot of replays, et cetera, for our uh, Tax Tuesdays as well. And so a lot of information, a lot of videos, so on and so forth. All right. Getting to the questions. uh Mr. Jeff, we have training costs, including travel. Can it be deducted? The training costs
0: can be deductible in certain cases. Mostly I'm going to on a C corporation uh, is more likely place to do it. If I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to go to my father-in-law example, I'm a pipe fitter. I go training on updates to control systems, stuff like that. And I have my own Schedule C, self-employed. That would be deductible. That is a legitimate training cost because it has to do with a business I'm already doing. It's not deductible if you're learning how to sell or do real estate we had one person try to deduct their medical school from three or four years ago as a startup expense. Didn't work? Didn't work. Didn't <laughs> so yeah, training is very particular. Usually it's a startup expense for the corporation.
1: But what about travel? I mean, it's got to be business travel. Yeah, it certainly does. And there's a definition kind of to what that is. And it does matter if we're traveling in the U.S. or international. We'll see a little bit of that later on in one of the questions. But Travel typically, if it, if, it's, if if it's the training itself is deductible, more likely the travel will be as well. You hit on it. I, I, a lot of times the the training part, education, et cetera, is it a new line of business is one of the big mm-hmm. focal questions that we look at. And so if the, the unique thing here in the tax code is that, well, what if it is a brand new business starting this? We often will set up a C corporation. You may mention of that. That's where we can. We can train employees on that C corporation, take that deduction. Right away the first year, it doesn't matter if it's a new line of business as much. And so there is an, uh, an avenue. And typically if the training, again, if it's going to be a legitimate deduction, likely the travel will be as well. But we'd have to look at some of the tests we look at there if we're within the US was more than half of your days while you were traveling, were they business or not? And a business day is what? More than half of that day? More half of that day, four hours and a minute, we call it. <laughs> and so as long as you have that, that's a business day. You have more business days and personal, and typically that travel will be deductible. And if that was going with our training costs and it was for a new line of business, but we were doing it in a C-Corp, yeah, we'd be able to deduct all that.
0: So hypothetically, mm-hmm. uh, I go to Orlando. I have four morning sessions that cover just over four hours of training for the first four days I'm there. Mm-hmm. But I'm there for a week, and I spend the last three days going to Epcot and Disney
1: so a you're house. saying that whole trip? Yeah. <laughs> the cost getting down there, the costs coming back, the hotels uh typically would be deductible and half have fifty percent of the meals. Because you've met that that standard. Yeah. That standard of half your week mm-hmm. or half your time. Yep. More 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 days than not being business, which Jeff said. So we're four hours, four hours in a minute. Now international is a little bit different. Typically, if it's less than a week. It just You just have to show that uh, travel is your, your main purpose, and that's a little bit of a unique test there. But if it's over a week international, then you have to have 75% of the time or 75% of the days have to meet that same standard. As you can imagine, the IRS is a little more picky on that, uh, so you want to have good documentation for it. And right, I'm going to throw out a question that we sometimes
0: get. I'm a doctor. In order to get my CME, my certified medical education for the year, I take a cruise where they teach it. Ooh. Every day, yeah. Are there
1: issues there? Or? There are issues. Whenever we do, when we bring the cruise ship into the into play, we have a lot of different factors. There's an first of all an overall limit how much we can deduct annually on a cruise ship. There is also a requirement that it be is it registered in a U.S. Uh, under the U.S. flag, which most cruise most cruise, most ships, are cruise not, ships are not. Yeah, for insurance purposes, you'll see that they're from Bermuda or something like that. So there's a lot of things that really prevent us from deducting that, those related costs. You can use it as what I call a water taxi. And the IRS gives an example of that in the publication. Basically, the taxpayer is going from New York to London. It's using it as a taxi to get them there or an Uber in the modern world. And uh, there are certain per diem deductions that you could do. There's an overall limit, but it's just being used as a, a purpose to get to a business, a, a business meeting on the other side of the ocean. So that's a little bit different, but you gotta, you got to really watch the fact patterns on, when, when the cruise ship gets involved you know, during COVID, it made our day very easy because those were pretty much devastated. Uh, now, you know, as people are starting to take cruises more often, uh, we do get a lot more questions and we have to be careful what's going on in those facts. All right, let's go on to number two. We've been engaged for two years, want to get married in 24. I make 85K, he makes 120 with W-2 jobs. Wanting to become a real estate professional this year and make income from, rent- from four rentals? Am I able to keep more of his income if we file jointly and are married? What type of strategy would help him keep more of his money?
0: Okay. uh, I want to look at the professional, real estate professional first. If she is just a real estate agent working for somebody else, Mm -hmm. are her hours going to qualify her?
1: Probably not. You have to own at least 5% of that corporation or business. So what could she do? Could she create an LLC and... Tax it as an S-Corp. Often our clients do that. She owns her own, gets her commissions coming through the S-Corporation. Yeah. Now, she asked
0: about, can I save money, save him taxes? First off, once you get married, you have to file married. It can be either married filing jointly or married filing separately. And I will tell you up front, married filing separately is almost always a bad
1: idea. Yeah, married filing is most often, what you're going to want to do. If she does this, becomes a rep status. She's getting some hours from being a real estate agent. She's got her own S corporation. Mm -hmm. Let's just say, excuse me, for the sake of argument, we get it and we have these rentals. Are there things that we can do with those rentals that maybe create some kind of loss that would offset the husband's uh, W-2 income in this case?
0: Yeah. I mean, first off, we have the cost segregation. Now, what we don't talk about much with the cost segregation, let's say I have one rental property Uh and I cost segregated. I get a big deduction this year. Yes. What about next year?
1: Not as much of a deduction. (laughs) (laughs) And so that does kind of Level out as far as how much deduction we have from depreciation, but we have four of them, so maybe we would do it on another unit. Uh, perhaps it, you know there we we'll really getting into the facts whether or not it would pay off to do this or not. But it can be done, and if that's your only job profession in the real estate trader business, then um, more than likely yes, you could take advantage of this with a cost seg and things like that. Or maybe you pick, yeah, you pick up a new property. There's always the short term rental we talk about. If you if you have we're so inclined, you got a short term rental and you're the one who manages it. Directly, you put more time into it than anybody else. We call that material participation. Mm-hmm. We meet all that. Then typically you could do the same thing, have a heavy depreciation deduction on it. That depreciation will often cause a loss that year because it's a really big deduction. And that loss, yes, would offset your spouse's W-2.
0: Now, I, so often, I was going to say sometimes, often I see somebody who has four properties and they go out and cost segregate all of them. Yes.
1: by um, any fault with that?
0: couple of years ago, that may have been okay, but since we now have limitations on NOL carriers and so forth, mm-hmm. this is something that really takes a little more planning on your part or with, with an accountant of figuring out, well, how much deduction do I need to get each year? And, and to be honest, you don't want to eliminate all of your income. No, If I can pay it in the
1: 12% bracket, I'm hunky-dory with that. Yeah, it's kind of a victory right there. And to that point, you know, if, if we have enough loss to go around, if we could get some of it to the next year, still bring down our overall income from a higher bracket, you know, it's, it's not always the best thing to just eliminate all the income, as Jeff points out. But that's all calculations. Yeah. What else?
0: I mean, is, do, you, do you see anything off the top of your head that they could do? I'm assuming these are all long-term rentals. If you do short-term rentals, you don't
1: have to be a real estate professional. That's right. Make it a lot easier. The real estate professional status typically is a little more involved, but if it is okay. a short term rental, we have a different standard, the material participation standard, which is uh, generally speaking much easier. I say that in quotes because I hear from our clients who are doing short term rentals. I think Clint one time made mention of that he had done it, and it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, a lot of uh, stress to the short term rental sometimes. But if you do, and you materially participate, you put more time in it than anybody else. Uh, then we can get kind of that same tax effect as if we had rep status with a long-term rental. I know the partners
0: are talk about and are doing pad splits. Yes, making really good money on them, and you can still cost segregate those. Mm-hmm. Now, do those fall under trader business, or are they still long-term rental?
1: I think it, it, that test always, uh, to my understanding, is always going to be based on the average uh, days that you know someone stays there. So. If you are ha- repetitive, uh, you have a week-long contract to stay there, but you repetitively stay there, that's considered uh, you know, just one stay in the long haul. And so you would average it all out. And so it could theoretically be that you won't know if it's a short-term rental or a long-term rental kind of towards maybe the end of the year, or, or you've gotten so far that really is not reasonable that it would be a short-term rental.
0: So even though you're marrying, you're making about $40,000 less a year than he is. So now you're making $200,000 a year. Not a huge deal because the tax brackets have also gone up. Yes. The tax brackets are effectively double of what they were when you were single. So I could see where with her having a lower income where she may have pulled him down uh, in the brackets, or you may be in the very same place. Uh Other things you should always be doing if you have the cash to do it, maximizing your retirement contributions.
1: Nothing like paying yourself. Now, if we if we went into this, uh, she has her S corp set up. You know, there's a, what, what kind of plans? What would she be looking at as far as retirement plans? There,
0: she could actually do uh, a 401k out of her plan that would require compensation. And actually, this fits really nicely because if she's a real estate agent and she forms her own S corporation and the brokerage agrees to pay the S corporation, she then pays a salary out out to herself, which she has to do anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And by paying a salary, she you can start a 401k and make contributions through the-
1: Exactly right, yeah, a solo 401k or even a SEP IRA, whatever it is, but you got that earned income through that W-2 reasonable wage that we often talk about with an S Corp. So it's kind of a win-win. So a lot of potential opportunity here. So strictly to the question, you know, is there something I can do to help keep more of the W-2, spouses W, uh, or excuse me, get more of the W-2 income as a deduction, you know, take deductions against it? Absolutely. Uh, There's there's a lot that can be done here. And these would be some of the strategies, short-term or long-term. And creating your own, you know, you got that S-Corporation, Jeff just mentioned the retirement plans. There's also a lot of deductions and reimbursements you can take advantage of in that S-Corp. So that's a whole lot of good things that could uh, potentially happen for you there.
0: Now I'm going to throw out something a little crazy. So if you have an S-Corporation, you're obviously an employee. Guess who else you can hire? Your spouse.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And include them in your solo 401k. Uh, it's an exception to the solo 401k rule that spouses are. It's not so solo. <laughs>
1: yeah, right.
0: Yeah. So if you wanted to get crazy and you were just making money hand over fist through your real estate sales, uh, you, you could do this. Yep. Uh, pay him out. Even if he's already got a 401k and his other job, he's not going to be able to defer more no. employee contributions, right. of, but he can still get more employer contributions.
1: Yeah. And even if you didn't have the S-Corp, you, didn't, you weren't, let's just say you didn't go into real estate, but you were just managing your own properties, you can still meet that status of, of uh, being a property manager over your properties and, and meet that rep status. All right. Anything else? Nope. All right. I've talked enough. All right. Number three, once the purchase of a property is finalized, should the cost seg study pr- uh, process start immediately thereafter? And can you double dip the cost segregation process, meaning before and after upgrades slash repairs?
0: Okay, this was an opinion. will see if, if your opinion's different. Mm-hmm. If I buy a property and I'm not really putting that much additional money into it, just repairs and maintenance, I'll do the cost seg immediately. Keep in mind, before you do a cost seg, can you actually deduct that loss from that cost seg? So I have a full-time job. I am not a real estate professional.
1: If I do a cost seg, I might just be creating a giant passive loss that I can't use. Exactly right. Yeah, this is a little bit different than what we had on our previous question. We're going on the assumption that we make rep status or have material participation with a short-term rental. Here, we're not so sure that's the case. So should we do a cost seg? Well, first, we want to know, just as Jeff pointed out, if it creates these losses that we talk about, which is typically always coming from the depreciation, that's our real big game there. If it creates this loss, can we use that loss against our other income? That's going to depend. You know if it's if we're if it's a long term rental, we're going to want that real estate professional assess, and we have to materially participate in the rental of that property, the management of it, or if it's a short term rental, we have to materially participate in the running of that short term rental. so if we don't do those things, as Jeff pointed out, it's just going to create a lot more passive losses, which we likely can't take advantage of
0: now to the improvements, yeah, in the opinion,, yep. I think if I have a property that I'm substantially improving. I wait till the improvements are done. And then I go to somebody like cost seg authority and say, here's how much I paid for the property. And here's my basis. And here's all the improvements I made. And you got to provide those improvements to them or they won't know. Would you do
1: the same or would you? Yeah, no, that's exactly the same kind of, I would always talk to to a a cost seg specialist. Usually a lot of our clients go to cost seg authority. They will be able to give you a lot more guidance on it. But uh, I I think that Conventional wisdom is if you do have heavy repairs, improvements, rentals, renovation costs—that is—you're probably going to wait till it's all done to do that study. Now let's talk about the double dipping question. Yeah,
0: meaning from what I read, I do a cost seg as soon as I buy it. I do all the improvements, and so I do another cost seg, which is fine. I prefer not to do it; it's more expensive. So here's how a cost seg actually works when you're preparing it: is I'm going in and looking at all the assets, and I said, "Oh, that." That uh, fixture is seven-year property and that carpet is five-year property. And this is, so you're actually changing the depreciation life of these properties. So if I go back in a second time for the cost seg with the improvements, the improvement lives may change. However, they're not going to change the lives of the fixtures and the carpet and all that. So it's not really double dipping. You're just looking for additional assets to change
1: the depreciable life of. Right. Yeah, we always think of double dipping, mean we took the the, the, the the cost deduction twice. And that's really not what's happening here. Yeah, and I was pretty sure that's not what they meant. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Although uh, my first response was... <laughs> yeah, double dip is always bad, always bad. In this context, I think it was just being misapplied. So, uh, yeah, very good. All right. Does depreciation taken from a syndication have to be paid back when the property is sold? So you will receive a K-1
0: from the partnership. That is a syndication. And it will show your gain on the property. And we know that's what these syndications do. They buy an apartment complex with the intent, fixing it up and selling it in three to five years. I like a flip. (laughs) (laughs) But they'll give you a K-1 with your normal rental income and all. But there will also be long-term capital gain on it Mm -hmm. from the sale of the property. And the number right above that's going to be unrecaptured $1,250 gain. So that's the long way around to saying, yes, you're going to have to recapture that. As I've said in, at previous times, your 1250 recapture is limited to the actual gain on the property. But if that's all the gain they get, they're not doing a very good job as syndicators.
1: Right. Yeah. And that capital gain, the uh, they will have broken out into 1245 and 1250 property, but you have that recapture. Uh, technically, it's un, un, uh, unrecaptured 1250 gain is what they call it. And you have to meet that first. Anything above that of extra gain, if you will, that will get you your actual more favored long-term capital gains tax. Which...
0: That's a really good point. And that's something that confuses even tax preparers. Well, certainly, yeah. That that 1250 gain, unrecaptured 1250 gain, is part of that long-term capital gain. So you pay the higher tax rate, and it's what, 25%? Yes, yeah, so maximum of 25%. Maximum of 25% on that unrecaptured. But you don't pay that tax again on the long term capital gain. No. So if I have 10,000 of that recapture and 100,000 total gain, I'm only paying long term capital gain tax on that 90,000, the difference between the right. 100 and the 10.
1: Correct. And, and the, the uh, cap that Jeff's referring to, that 25% cap, that only goes up to whatever your tax bracket is. So, in other words, if you're in the 37% tax bracket, you'll begin, in a sense, a, a, a break there because it will not, you'll, you'll get a 12, 12% uh, deduction on it. Uh, so it's still, it's still a good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, how many times we get asked that, you know, like I get capital gains, you know, like people treat like they're evil and that's not necessarily the case, is it? I mean, those are favored tax rates to begin with.
0: Yeah. What they're doing, uh, that's a great point. <laughs> so when I took the depreciation deduction, it was at my ordinary rate. Exactly right. 37% perhaps. But when I have to pay it back, I'm only doing it at 25% or possibly lower. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it, capital gains, don't be scared of them. They're still a good thing. A gain's a gain. That's a good thing. So kind of like mm-hmm. people upset because they get income. You know, that's not a bad thing. All right. Next. Are there advantages of investing and in trading securities, stocks, bonds, commodities, et cetera, in an excuse me, an entity account rather than rather than an individual account? So I'm trading as an individual. Probably all that's going to go to my 1040. I've heard Anderson talk about maybe putting it through a certain entity structures and things like that. Is there any benefit to that tax-wise?
0: There is, um, and it primarily comes from income shifting, which is also another nasty word. Yeah, phrase, (laughs) yeah. Meaning we're wanting to shift income to the corporation. Okay, let me step back. What's the usual structure for these trading entities?
1: Often we talk about a partnership. We'll put the trading into that partnership Partnership means it has partners, so we have typically a C corporation, which will be one partner gets a, a little bit of it, maybe ten percent of the uh, of the activity through there, and then you as an individual or uh, uh, an entity that's disregarded, like a Wyoming holding to you, that would have the other ninety percent.
0: Okay, so I make ten thousand dollars in dividends. So a thousand of that ten percent is going to the corporation, and the other nine thousand is going to me. Mm-hmm. Is there any other way to get
1: more money? Because because I got a lot of bills I'm sending to the corporation. Well, that's the beautiful thing. You get that money into the C corporation. What can we do there? You just mentioned bills. I mean, what are we doing? What kind of bills? I have a medical condition. Medical reimbursement plan. I have
0: corporate meetings to discuss the management of the trading LLC. Two ADA meetings.
1: Maybe you have an office. Yeah. Administrative office. So what Jeff's doing is now getting that $1,000 in the C corp back to him tax-free, typically as reimbursements, but what if he has more expenses al- along those lines than just his thousand? Is there some way we can get more money into C Corp? Enter a very unique uh, item for partnerships only called a guaranteed payment.
0: Any idea what that is? Guaranteed payment is something I guarantee to pay you.
1: <laughs> exactly, that's <laughs> pretty self-explanatory. There's gonna be an agreement to guarantee to pay that amount to a partner, in our case, a C Corporation, Maybe it's for another $1,000. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that becomes a, uh, a, a deduction to both parties and more income, another 1000 in this case to the C-Corp, i.e. more reimbursement uh, cash for Jeff.
0: Now, this guaranteed payment, can I guarantee you that I'll pay you at the end of the year 20% of our profits?
1: It cannot be based on profit profitability. So it has to be a flat amount. Uh, so that kind of takes some of the fun out of it. And really because it can't be judged uh uh you know, it can't be used based on profitability, ideally you would have it done before you even began the year. You have that flat amount agreed on.
0: Yeah, what this guaranteed payment is actually doing is you're paying the a partner for the work they do in the business. Correct. That's why IRS hates the idea of you basing on how much the, the entity made mm. in the year or um, and, and again, you said, you said that. I have to make this decision, right? Supposed to make this decision before the year even starts. Really should be, yes.
1: Yeah, and it's a flat amount, again. uh, And it's guaranteed, just as the name implies. So don't go overboard and make it a $100,000 guaranteed payment or something like that. And it's got to be reasonable, reasonable for the services that that partner is creating. That's another aspect. People just, you know, it's intuitive for us. It's kind of like down here in Vegas, people want to count cards in their head. You know, not supposed to count cards at the casinos, but people intuitively want to count to see how much guaranteed payment they can do. And that's understandable, but it is a flat amount. And whatever we're paid, it's not about what amount we think, you know, we should move over. It's what was, what service was actually provided by the partner. And it has to be reasonable for those services.
0: So, yeah, there are advantages
1: to having a trading entity. Mm-hmm. But we talked about all the pros. What would be the con where, where would you not do this? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe if we didn't have a lot of income going on, we just learned our trading and we, you know, because we're going to have an extra tax return or Mm -hmm. two if we're setting up a C corporation. So, you know, do think about it. You know, like always, you want to calculate, 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 but it does put it in entities where you have asset protection. So sometimes it's not all about the money, it's about asset protection, and you certainly have that going on here.
0: I actually, Elliot, prefer that my C corporation is doing something else, maybe managing my rentals or something like that. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm blowing too much portfolio income into the corporation, not capital gains, but like mm-hmm. dividends and interest, and I kind of put myself at risk for that personal holding company tax. Exactly right. Yeah, we can have too much of a good
1: thing. And so often our clients will have this trading partnership going on, as well as maybe managing their rentals, like we saw in one of the previous questions. We've got four rentals out there. Set up a C corporation, have to do property managing as well. So that creates a different type of ordinary income to the C-Corp to avoid any possibility of getting too much portfolio income in the C-Corporation that we would from investing.
0: Let's talk about risk a little bit for a corporation. So I think managing rental properties, that's probably middle risk. It's not high risk like the rentals themselves are, but it it is kind of middle of the road. But this investment is very low risk. Correct. You're not going to get sued over your investments. They may come and try to take them, but I, I don't see that really happening too often.
1: And if you have a lot of reimbursements going on, draining the cash out of that C-Corporation, there's probably not a whole lot that it can impact anyway. Correct. So uh, again, the C-Corp, we set up as a lightning rod for lawsuits for this exact purpose, to, you know, if we don't have a lot of cash in it. So.
0: so going back to calculating the guaranteed payment, would you suggest that they actually look at what expenses they believe? hmm
1: forecast
0: or budget for that.
1: Yeah, exactly right. If you don't have any clue where to begin, look at what kind of expenses, reimbursements you might uh, might anticipate. So we now have a, an idea where we'd like to be and then see if the services that your C corporation can provide can match that type of of, of, of income uh, being reasonable. All right, great question there. Oops, how to do real estate investing with an IRA fund? And I think we could expand this maybe for solo as well. To some degree? There yeah, there there is one difference, and we'll get to that last. So I have an
0: IRA, I'm gonna buy property, mm-hmm. and I like buying I like having an LLC disregarded to the IRA. And why is that? To give the IRA protection. Because my IRA may not only have this property in it, it may have a million dollars of cash in it or other investments. And I, I want to be able to protect that, those assets from the property that I just finished saying was a little higher risk.
1: So we're thinking asset protection. Uh, and then so probably we would move the funds from the IRA to the LLC. Yep. Go out and purchase the real estate. What about if we have debt on it? Does that matter?
0: It does. Uh, it matters. IRAs cannot have debt,
1: period. If you
0: do, you get what's called UDIF, uh, help me out here. Unrelated debt financed income. Yeah, <laughs> what he said. <laughs>
1: And you pay an excise tax on that, and it's hefty. Yeah, and it's one that you know, we always have to explain this how that that tax is it, it hits. It's uh, basically trust uh, 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 the trust um, uh, brackets, and it increases at an exceptionally fast rate. In other words, I think it, it's like twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, for top bracket twelve thousand. You're already at the top forty percent or so. So it takes no time at all to be maxed out and getting hit with a ton of uh, a ton of tax. So we want to watch out for that.
0: Here's the other problem, is you have to have enough cash in your IRA after you purchase a property that you can pay taxes, insurance, repairs, remodels, anything like that. As Toby likes to say, you can't pick up a hammer.
1: No. Yeah. You cannot be involved at all with the the running of it. Uh, We have a lot of easy to get into what we call, um, we have a phrase for it. uh, uh, Prohibitive transactions. Prohibitive transactions. That's it right there. Uh, Do you see why we work together? Exactly. (laughs) So there's a lot of that going on there that we want to watch out for. Well, what if we happen to have a solo? Any any differences there?
0: Uh, Yes. The one big difference is I can have
1: a mortgage in my solo. No UDF. UDFI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, that'll help protect us uh, from that. You can still run it into UBIT for other things if you had ordinary, but not in a long-term rental. So that's the big thing. Now, we talked about real estate here. We're talking about long-term rentals. What if we were doing maybe flipping? Is that something maybe we want to shy away from? I'll give you that and short-term rentals. Exactly. Short-term rentals. kind of your more ordinary active businesses. Probably we want to shy a little bit from that in our retirement.
0: And and why does Elliot bring that up? Because that's considered a trader business. And guess what? IRAs and 401ks can't have business income in them. Yeah.
1: And if they want to do something like that, they have to get a ROBS, which we're not going to talk about today. (laughs) No.
0: But uh, it, it gives us the brother of the UDIF, the UBIT,
1: mm-hmm. yes, unrelated business income tax, and again, it is hefty, mm-hmm. very, very significant penalties on that or taxes. I call them penalties in this case, but you do, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's so real estate again. Thinking long term, set up an LLC that's owned by the IRA or the solo. Move the cash in there. It buys real estate. Try to avoid the debt in the case of the IRA. And that's how we do real estate investing. Just real quick, what I, I mentioned—making
0: sure you have enough cash in it uh, when you're doing that part of
1: planning. I think worst case scenario. Yes, I think you're going to have Elliott as a tenant. Everything's going to go wrong. Yeah, twice what you paid for the house. And have that cash available. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. All right. Another great question down. When are crypto earnings taxed? Oh, I have the answer for this. It depends. Yes, exactly. What does it depend on? It depends
0: on where the income is coming from. Such um, as? <laughs> you could be buying and selling crypto. You could be creating crypto. Mining, I think they call it. Mining. Uh, mm-hmm. so you could be staking, which is a little different from money, but still taxed the same way. And here's my nightmare scenario. You're taking crypto in business transactions. Yeah. Ellie comes into my pizza shop and buys a pizza and pays me with a Bitcoin. Fraction of a fraction of a Bitcoin. He's not too bright. He gives a whole Bitcoin. (laughs) So let's run through these real quick. I trade crypto. That's all I do with it. I I buy Bitcoin, sell it, buy Eurythium or whatever it's called and sell it. Those are pretty much trade, treat it like
1: securities. Yep. Capital gains.
0: Right. The one difference that I need to bring up is uh, there are no wash sale rules. That's a beautiful thing about crypto. So- if I buy a cryptos selling for about 40 right now, if I buy it at 40, but it drops to 20, I'm going to realize this loss, but I can turn around and buy it the next day. That same crypto. I that
1: loss. No wash, sell, and impediment to it.
0: Then we have mining and staking. So I got my garage full of servers, just algorithm in a way, and I create a Bitcoin. That Bitcoin is taxed at your
1: ordinary rates, correct? At the moment that coin is created. Correct. But you didn't even sell it. No. But you got taxed. And it's uh, being ordinary, it doesn't, is it employment tax as well? I don't know.
0: That's an interesting question for another show.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, ordinary income, higher rates. So, and you didn't even sell it yet. It's just sitting there in your inventory, so to speak. So, it's the one time that inventory gets taxed when created, yeah. which is just crazy. Yeah, because they don't consider it inventory, (laughs) even though I use that term. uh, But yeah, and and so one can get taxed uh, without having anything to pay the tax for. Reminds me of the old uh, back, what was it, back in the early 2000s, they gave out a lot of stock options and they had that whole mess where uh, the the prices dropped, but you were taxed at the date of receipts and uh, maybe you never took advantage of getting them sold off. And it's very similar uh, in that regards where you can really get, get hurt by that.
0: So I've gotten taxed on the coin that I created. The crypto i created i hold it for a year and a day long term long term capital long term capital gain yes well what's my basis in that coin not a trick question
1: yeah it's uh it was the uh was the price when you um yeah it's when you first when you you made it yes so whatever you were taxed on
0: that's going to be your basis yeah so yeah you get taxed twice or possibly you could have a capital loss if you sold at a loss but no wash no If you got a a loss,
1: don't sell it. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. just hold on to it. It'll probably go.
0: The last one kind of treated the same way. If Elliot pays for his pizza with a Bitcoin, that's taxed as though it was cash, a cash sale. But again, I have to track my basis in that coin uh, or fraction of a coin that I got $12.95 for that coin. And that's my basis in the
1: coin. Right. And it's it's uh, that brings up a really good point. Uh, we have a lot of, especially when when they start to get more popular, you have to have really good software tracking some of this stuff, uh, the basis and all that in your trading. So make sure you're prepared. You know, you have all on the basis covered before you get into to crypto, um, and and are properly uh, getting documenting all of these things.
0: Yeah, the the software has improved so much in yes, yeah. crypto. It was scary there for a while. Yeah, <laughs> early on. I know that one company has really good... FTX, is that what... Oh, wait, they're out of business. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> if any of you would in FTX, I'm sorry. Yeah. That one didn't go out as planned. So, <laughs> But there's other great ones yeah. out there. And uh, just make sure you have good software tracking it all. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, you, they talk about you can get a vault, you know, a wallet. Just make sure that you, your crypto is secure, as secure as you can make it. Not so
1: secure that you don't remember the password. We've heard don't those stories. Don't lose the password. Or the, the little, what is it? The little well, the drive that they put it on. And one guy, he like went to the, the, the garbage. And so he's paying people to dig through the garbage to find, because he knows he has something like 100 million on some drive out there. Terrible, terrible stories, you know, forgetting passwords, et cetera. So.
0: How is my crypto taxed if it gets stolen? Oh, that's a
1: tough one. Yeah, uh, tough in that. Yeah, you get no, uh, you get no tax benefit from it. There's no deduction
0: unless uh, Elliot's exactly right. If it's lost, stolen, whatever, you're just out of luck. If it's stolen through a Ponzi scheme, ah, yes, uh, is the one exception to this. But I have seen quite a few people who said, "Hey,
1: I lost my crypto. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and it got stolen. Uh, what do I do?" Not a whole lot we can do. Uh, and and getting that that Ponzi scheme. Uh, status, the clients I've seen, usually it's a, a letter from the FBI mm-hmm. or some state uh, revenue investigation group or something of that nature. It's very official. Um, it's very difficult. You know, you can't just go out there and claim, oh, it's a Ponzi uh, type scheme. And and the good news is that it's, they've broadened, I think, what they consider Ponzi than just the traditional Ponzi. So uh, there's a little bit of a little bit of regal room, but it's still not exclusive to all business losses.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of amazing because the way I see people treat crypto. If if they had a million dollars in their house, they would treat it completely different, right? Than that little drive, that little <laughs> drive. Oh, uh, like I, I got I got a million dollars uh, with uh, uh, cyber security or right. whoever. I think people become more complacent when they I think it's digital.
1: When it's digital, I, I agree. Right? Yeah, we've certainly heard the stories. And um, so anyway, back to how are, you, how are we taxing these course, it depends. If it's more from a trading, it's going to be capital gains treatment. If it's more, we made it. uh In other words, we're mining or staking. You're looking for mm-hmm. ordinary income, which leads into, well, maybe it might be something worth setting up some entities to get some tax benefits like we talked about with other uh, traditional trading. So it's something to look into. It might be something that can help you out there from a tax perspective.
0: Okay. We are running late right. and I am talking too much. So right. Moving up. on. Yeah.
1: Let's look at Clint here. we got Tax and Asset Protection Workshop, as we talked about, coming up here on the 27th. It will be live, (laughs) but virtual. But not in person. Right? And then also January 6th, but not to be sure, in 24, we'll be seeing you guys on the road live, I'm sure, at some events. Continuing on here, as a member of the Air Force, Armed Forces, excuse me, uh, are my travel expenses from an overseas location back to my property location stateside tax deductible?
0: If it involves a permanent change of station, and this is not only for armed forces members, it's also for government workers. Mm-hmm. So I'm stationed at the American consulate in Berlin, mm-hmm. and I get moved back to uh, Indianapolis. That's a permanent change of station. You got to have the orders. You can de- deduct all your travel expenses, just like in the old days when everybody could do it. Mm-hmm. However, I also know that military gets compensated for certain things and certain things that ship. So you can't deduct a portion of your move that the government is funding for you. And they also do some crazy stuff where I've seen them put them on, give them W-2s for their what they were paid for movement. Yeah.
1: So a lot of different aspects. And, and, and uh, from my understanding, it, does, it can depend whether or not you're in reserves or more of a permanent station uh, moving back. Now, there could be other things going on here. Maybe what was our reason for traveling back? Let's say you're still stationed overseas and you're coming back to see your rental property for a business trip. That gets back into what Jeff and I were talking about earlier. If it's an actual business trip, more than four hours in a minute spent per, on an average of the days, I think then you have a different, a whole different perspective of what you're trying to do here. And uh, so just keep that in mind as well. But here, I believe I would argue that if you're leaving from Germany come to the US, it's international travel. So even though you're coming domestically, once you're a state I think you have to have more than 50%. I think you have 75% of the days have to be business related.
0: I'm pretty sure this does not apply to TDY travel. So if you're on temporary duty, you may get shipped out to ok- Okinawa for a year, which sounds like a permanent change of stations. Yeah, now. one would think, but no. But uh, often, uh, the I said Okinawa, so the Marine Corps will say, nope, this is temporary duty. You're still attached to... DMA 261 or something like that. So yeah, if you have overseas travel, permanent change station, make sure you're seeing uh, an accountant to do your taxes that knows what the heck he's talking about and what you're doing. Exactly right.
1: All right, so moving on. Is it better to have a separate entity for flipping, such as an LLC or corporation, or should I just do it in my own name? I'll answer the very, after the comma first. No. Do not flip in your own name. Why, Elliot? Uh, that is like a, a, a lawsuit's worst nightmare. If you do it in your own name, you're personally responsible for a lot of could go wrong. And there's plenty that can go wrong in flipping. You got uh, you know, construction going on. You got perhaps a bad deal going on. A lot of potential lawsuits. You would never want to do something like that in your individual name. What about where we want the taxes to hit? Well, I, I wanted to hit something else real oh, yeah. quick first. So let's say I have two rental properties
0: and two flips that I'm all selling in 2024. Oh, yes. Yeah. You're now a dealer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's bad about that? Well, the IRS could come in and say, no, you may have rented these properties out for years and years, but now you're a dealer. They're all flips to us. And what's that? Why Why do I care? Well, flips get t- uh, flips have so many bad things <laughs> at, at at the individual level. Uh, they're taxed at your ordinary rates instead
1: of capital gains. I and mean, we know employment tax is going to be on that one.
0: Right. You can't use the
1: um, installment method. And we have seen people burnt by that. That has been one of the toughest things with flipping. Uh, they think people, individuals think that they're selling inventory. They're not. Well, excuse me, they are selling inventory. Uh, it's not that they're selling a the house and can do it on installment. So you have to recognize all, you can take payments. I, I flip a property to Jeff and let's say it's for $100,000, 10 years, uh, 10,000 a year for 10 years. He pays me ten thousand dollars a year. I have to recognize income on a hundred thousand the year that we entered that. I can't I cannot install it out over ten years. So very tough consequences, very harsh consequences with flipping.
0: So we prefer you, you gotta have an entity. And here's what I would do. I have a corporation. Mm-hmm. I flip in the corporation, but I don't flip under the corporation's name. No. I put LLCs in there. And I know this sounds expensive. It's it's not,
1: it's really not because we, it's insurance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh. it is, it's insurance having these individual all and We want to do that because if you consistently flip in the same business, imagine Jeff flips five properties in his C corporation and on, uh, and he's got four others in inventory that he's still renovating, et cetera. Now I come in and I sue him. Everything else in that C corp is open to exposure. So what we do at Anderson, this is one of the many reasons we came up with our uh, Titanium Unlimited Partners, or mm-hmm. excuse me, LLCs. You just set up new LLCs underneath the C-Corp for each transaction, and you just throw that thing away like a, like a garbage bag after it's done, uh, try and keep that extra asset protection.
0: So let's define what LA means by when it's done. As soon as that
1: sale is closed and there's nothing left to do, I trash that LA. Yeah, get all your payments. You know, and want to make sure you get all your, receive all your income, et cetera, uh, before you shut down.
0: That there's not going to be any more filings and all. And is there anything wrong with moving all that cash up into the corporation?
1: Not at all. Uh, Do your reimbursements that Jeff was talking about earlier, medical reimbursements, corporate meetings, uh, accountable plan for home office, administrative office, et cetera.
0: So I'm flipping this house. That's the only house I have in this corporation.
1: But I'm going to flip another.
0: Can I just put it back in that same LLC?
1: You could, but we'd recommend getting a new one. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, you, can you? Yes, but you're know you you're still under that same possible um, you know, lawsuit could come up for that, that old LLC from a previous transaction. So you want a new one.
0: So yeah, and what we're coming down to is um, I, I buy a house, I flip it, and I sell it to Elliot. And then I buy another house in that same LLC. Well, if something goes wrong, Elliot comes back and sues me for the first house. You know what I'm going to do. <laughs> do that in a heartbeat. Because he slipped and fell, right? That um, was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I could lose that second house because it's a, in the same LLC as the house that I'm getting sued over. Correct.
1: Yeah, so keep it separated, up an LLC underneath a C corporation, maximize your asset protection, and you get better tax results because of the reimbursements that you can do through the corporation that you mm-hmm. couldn't do, and for whatever we do, don't do it as an individual.
0: Yeah, not even through an LLC. Right.
1: Exactly. What's uh, next? I'm a new real estate agent. Does the time I spend searching for my property in my local market, including travel time for me and my family count towards the 750 hours needed to qualify for rep status, even if we end up not buying this the property this year?
0: Okay. I want to hear your answer because I want to see if you read this the same way
1: I did. So I'm looking at it as, well, I'm going to say, first of all, travel time typically does not, uh, we can't use travel time usually as far as rep status. There, there's a, an exception to that, which I'll get into. But here it looks like we're looking for new properties going out there and, and we may or may not buy a property. and we log that time towards our 750? I'm going to say no. See, I wasn't sure if they were looking for a property to rent
0: an investment property or when they said for me and my family, it almost sounded like they were
1: looking for a primary residence. Yeah. And even that, that certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't think. Uh, That's more. not going to qualify at all. And what if it was even a rental or the, the, they're buying their own rental? I would argue that time still doesn't. But when when does drive time, do you have any idea? I mean, yeah, we're in this process, you might be able to include it. You ever run into that?
0: Here, Here's the problem with this situation. If you don't have an intent to purchase a property, you're not. it's not a business
1: trip anymore. Right. Exactly. That's another another potential problem here. But if and if you don't buy it, uh, typically, any related expenses to that, we run into this a lot from the expense side, you go, you make a trip to go look at a property, you decide you don't get it. You look at a second property, you put a bid on it, but you get outbid, you still don't get that property. Now you get to the third one, you finally, it's not too warm, not too hot, you get this property, we typically will add those other expenses onto the basis of that.
0: Okay, Elliot, one of my expenses was earnest money. Ah,
1: basis? It goes to basis.
0: Yep. And if you've given earnest money, usually isn't cheap. It could be a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. It could be 10 or $20,000. So, yeah, you're not losing that deduction. It's just moving into the property you end up buying. You Any different. idea if I don't ever find a replacement property?
1: It kind of just goes away. You don't get the deduction then. Yeah. So, you want to be careful with that. Now, one time where travel time does come into play is let's say you already have your properties, you have rentals, you're managing them. If they're local, kind of like here in the Las Vegas Valley, you, do, you go from south to north or what have you, uh, that drive time, typically, you, yes, you can include that into your hours. But what if I have to go to LA? Now the courts, uh, why they don't come out and directly say it sometimes, sometimes they do, typically that time is not going to count. It has to really be a local area. They're not going to let you fly across and count that travel time or anything like that. So interesting. in this particular question, I'm saying that the travel time would not uh, it's a great question. I like I like that you're thinking, trying to get what time does count, but that would not be it, I wouldn't think. All right, moving on. Is it possible? This is our last one. This is kind of a bonus. Is it possible, feasible, or legal to incorporate yourself and transfer all your assets to that new corporation while also deducting expenses used to support the new business, which is you, yourself? I have not seen
0: this one in a while. Mm. I know it was something that was being pushed on the internet. Yep. Probably somebody serving in Fort Leavenworth or right. some other federal prison. <laughs> uh,
1: exotic location.
0: <laughs> Which, by the way, is where most of the uh, people who say income tax is illegal, they're usually writing their papers from prison.
1: Yeah.
0: Leavenworth is a big one for that. <laughs> so the, uh, back to the question. No,
1: you can't make your personal expenses business <laughs> expenses. The real answer to this is just a flat out no. I, I I picked this uh, question for a couple of reasons. Toby had been talking about some other kind of schemes out there uh, probably about four shows ago again. And and so I wanted to throw this one on here. We'd seen this come up a lot about six years ago. This is not a thing. Okay. It's not a, it's not, it's not a, a good thing anyway. And you'll hear people, uh, we'd have clients who've been talked about getting the C corporation throwing all their assets in there and trying to basically d- deduct their whole life through it. You can't do that. It's just a flat out no. And here's what annoys me about this question,
0: and I'm not annoyed as a person who no. asked. I'm am cl- I'm really I,
1: glad you asked. Absolutely, that's why we picked.
0: Is this is put out on the internet and other places, and it it, it kind of leads people who are not bad people, no straight though, th- th- that believe that they can do this, and it just puts them in a terrible position. Mm-hmm. And and l- let's look at something really briefly. Talking about a new business, you are not a business, no. Elliot. You are not a business. <laughs> Uh, And talking about his personal life (laughs) and and to set up any kind of entity, tell me if I'm wrong on this,
1: you got to have a business purpose. Right. And you have to be transacting business with others about your personal life. And that's just not a thing. Just not. So I don't know there's much else we can say about that one. Excuse me. We are two minutes over. uh, So we apologize. We pull that off. Yeah. Right. This is somewhat close landing. Again, if you got questions, please feel free to throw them in and and remember to check out our YouTube uh, channels. Uh, get loaded on, so you, at least you can see the videos coming in, uh, whether you want to watch them or not. But uh, we got a lot of good content out there.
0: And you know what else is in these videos? Tax Tuesday questions.
1: Yes, yes, a lot of Tax Tuesday questions. So uh, you can see see some of this great content you heard here today. <laughs> All right, and then again, tax and asset protection workshop coming up again live but virtual <laughs> December twenty seventh, and again on January sixth, twenty twenty four, as we enter the new year. And I think that just, again, if you have questions, please submit them through Tax Tuesday at andersonadvisors.com. Visit us at andersonadvisors.com.
0: And real quickly, we didn't really talk about this. Year-end is coming up. Yes, it is. So in the next two weeks, less than two, less than weeks, two weeks, be think about those things you need to do. Like my thing that I needed to do by year-end that I did today was calling up the solar power people and yelling at them. <laughs>
1: A long story beyond this one, but it's a good one. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Uh,
1: if, if they didn't get it
0: completed by December 31st, mm-hmm. I would not get that solar credit for 2023, and I'd have to wait another year. Uh, solar credit is back up to 30% with the uh, good stuff Inflation Reduction Act. It was supposed to be down to 22% this year. Uh, but, but before I go off on a tangent, just make sure that you're getting things done, maximizing your 401k contributions if you're able to do that. The wages paid. Getting wages paid. Uh, things like IRA contributions, employer contributions to a retirement plan. Reimbursements. Reimbar- well, reimbursements do have to be done by December 31st. Yeah. But the IRA contributions, employer contributions, certain other things yeah. don't have to be made right this second. Right. Compensation, though, is very important if you want to take certain other deductions.
1: Anything else in closing? Just write your congressman and support Jeff and his solar panel venture here. Been a real, real saga. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. And I think uh, I think we might have Toby back next time or oh yeah, we'll see, but we'll be back. Uh, new, this is the last show for the year. So happy New Year's to you all. Happy holidays. And we'll see you in January. Thank you for listening
0: to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.